welcome to Speaking of Love, the podcast with your host, LaToya. This podcast was created as a platform for spreading love. They say love is the strongest magnetic force on the planet Earth. But if this is really true, why is love such a complicated subject matter? Welcome to Speaking of Love, the podcast, and I am your host, LaToya. I created this podcast in honor of my dad, who was an acclaimed television broadcast engineer for nearly four decades. He also hosted an award-winning radio show called Speaking of Sports, which is the inspiration behind the name of this podcast, Speaking of Love. My dad was an amazing guy who achieved levels of success that most people only dream of. He was held in the highest esteem, and yes, he was a star in the public eye. But on March 2nd of 2020, his private struggles became public when he murdered his wife, moments before taking his own life. So I created this podcast as a platform for spreading love around the globe while raising awareness for mental health and suicide prevention. My name is LaToya Bond, and I have a podcast called Speaking of Love. My podcast is dedicated to the memory of my dad who took his own life in a murder-suicide. Aside from that, I am a business owner. I have a home-based business. I am also a legal professional during my nine-to-five day, and I am a person who operates her entire life on the premise of spreading love. It's the secret to my success. It's the secret to my longevity on this earth. And it's what keeps us going because love is the thing that makes all things beautiful. So that's why I'm here today to talk about my favorite subject in the whole wide world, and that's love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Speaking of Love, the podcast. I am your host, LaToya, and I am so happy to be here today. I have a gentleman here. Let me tell you who he is. Are you all ready for this? This is my 114th episode of Speaking of Love. I have Ramses here. Mr. Rodriguez is an anxiety master coach instructor. He is the CEO and founder of Panic Freedom Academy, LLC. Once plagued by anxiety and panic attacks himself, Ramses Rodriguez now helps professionals get better results for their anxious clients with science-based and holistic modalities. Ramses holds a Master of Science degree in developmental genetics and has combined science theory and alternative therapies to create the anxiety freedom process, which is which he now teaches coaches on how to use their anxious clients, have their anxiety managed once and for all. Ramses has written two books in the genre of anxiety relief, 
And in his first book called Stop Pressing Your Own Panic Buttons, Ramsey's details the process he has led professionals through to achieve lasting results from panic attacks. So welcome. Welcome, Ramses. How are you today? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> this is such an honor. I'm so excited to have you here. You are a, a phenomenal man. Let me just say, you oh have God. so many wonderful things. <laughs> I've been reading Thank about you. you. You help people overcome panic attacks. You initiate difficult conversations at work. You help people to overcome that. You help people strengthen the bonds in their virtual teams. You reduce performance anxiety. You increase retention through optimized performance. What? Where did all this come from? Talk to me. <laughs> uh, well, I, I guess uh, we can go right out of the gate and say this used to be something I struggled with. Um, and I think you can get a sense of that a little in the intro, which thank you, by the way. Um, you know, when I left grad school and I went into the professional world as a geneticist, um, I had all those conflicts. I had anxiety. I didn't want to get fired. I was like, how do I do? Am I good enough? Um, a lot of my friends from grad school had gone into, you know, jobs that were entry level. And I was pretty much designing cancer diagnostic tests right out of the gate. I'd landed this big gig and I had all imposter syndrome, all the anxiety and symptoms related to it. And it started to affect everything like my relationships, intimacy, the ability to have close friendships. And so I went on a journey to figure it out for myself. Wow. So let me ask you a question. Did you feel any anxiety coming onto the podcast today? I actually did not. <laughs> you have to help me because you're my 114th episode, right? Uh -huh. But I have to admit, I sit here and I get ready and I'm prepared, but I do feel a little bit of anxiety and nervousness because I don't know what's going to come. And then at the end of each episode, I'm always like, girl, why were you worried? It was perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, first of all, I used before genetics, I should say, I used to be a performer. I was a saxophonist. And um, whenever we would go on the stage, I would feel that. It, um, one of my friends later told me he called that speaker's energy. So the little mm -hmm. butterflies and the nervousness. Um, I think that oftentimes whenever we are thinking about like the future or the past, when we're in that state is usually when anxiety is going to pop up. So if we're anticipating something, we're kind of thinking in the future. If we're you know, we having the shoulda, coulda, wouldas thoughts that's thinking in the past. And usually when we're in that moment, thinking of either of those two, anxiety can pop up at that point. So my guess is that's kind of what, <laughs> what happens. Like, oh, my God, is this going to be good? Would I forget to unmute him? <laughs> so that's my. Yeah, <laughs> I know I've worked in radio and a lot of times when I would be at the rate at the studio, there's a red light up above you and it says on air and it starts to blink when you're either running out of time or when you're just about to go live on the radio. So I always find that my heart is fluttering as that that on the air light is flickering. It's like, oh my God, I'm about to go live. I'm nervous. But what I have noticed is that once I go into the interview, and I give myself about 30 seconds, 60 seconds 
the anxiety and the nervousness tends to fade away. Why is that? Um, Because now you're in the moment, to be honest. There's nothing like a live performance that keeps you so focused on the now. Um, the way I learned this, this is, this is a really odd thing I used to do. Uh, I have a lot of friends who are in the military, oddly enough, and they would go climbing, rock climbing rock climbing and so they said Ramses you should you should come along you should come in do a rock climbing session with us and you're so nervous before like oh my god if you're going off a cliff like on a rope and I've never been on a rope before so you know they trained me up and they told me as much as you can learn right before you you rappel off a long climb it but there's something that happens when you really just lean into a rope and let it hold you like something like tightens. And at that point you are trusting that thing and you're paying attention to one foot after another. It's almost as there's no room for anxiety. Mm -hmm. you, you're so focused on here's where my foot goes. Here's how to hold the rope. Like you're so in the moment that mm -hmm. I think the quickest switch to, to that experience happened when I rock climbed um, same as when you're going up and you're on a rock and you're you're being held by a rope. Um, you're nervous doing the before the climb. You might be even nervous after the climb, but during the climb, you have you're like, here's where my hand goes, here's where my foot goes, and don't let go. <laughs> so, what made you start wanting to help people deal with the anxieties and panics and things of that nature? What was it inside of you that said, "Hey, I need to make a difference in the world." I want to reach out to help people who are struggling with the same issues that I have struggled with in terms of panic attacks and anxiety. What started this for you? It started when I started to realize who is most susceptible for um, anxiety in general. Um, so there are the uh, individuals that I think in the more spiritual world, they're called empaths. In the scientific community, they're mostly called highly sensitive people, HSPs. And when I started to look into that and realize that I was one, I started to realize how a lot of the tools I needed had to be specific to, to working with that aspect of myself. Because I'd gone to therapy, I'd gone to counseling, and there was a lot of great things, but they didn't know to ask outright, hey, do you identify as an empath? Do you identify as an HSP? There wasn't a process to ask these things. Mm. Um, and so I was like, I need to at least inform people or start helping them with special tools specifically to their sensitivities because there's, uh, I looked at the research and it's about 20 to 30% of the population are HSPs. And that's a pretty high number. That's 70% yeah. you know, of the population is basically going to think it's all in your head and you're crazy. And then 30, <laughs> 20 to 30% of us are like, but I'm pretty sure you're lying. You're a human lie detector. Like, what is going on? So um, the HSP or the empath, depending on how you identify, lives in a kind of gaslit state all the time. And when I realized, oh, we just need to work with them directly, um, that's where the whole entire, let's help them with anxiety because that's how it shows up for most of us. Mm, okay. Yeah. So talk to me about the Panic Freedom Academy and what, how do people benefit from being a part of this academy? Uh, currently, it's, it's pretty, uh, we're doing an amazing thing now. Um, 
currently I'm training people on this process. I think in the intro you 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 read it. Um, the panic, the anxiety freedom process I created is the steps. It's all the things you do with an individual to help them go from panicking to having their panics resolved by virtue of managing anxiety specifically. Mm -hmm. So what it does is I call this an anxiety baseline. People who have physical symptoms like panics or jitters or sweats or heart racings, clammy hands, numbness, tingling, any symptoms of anxiety, right? Uh, People are going to experience that when their anxiety baseline is really elevated. And let's compare that to just any other person who doesn't have symptoms. Everyone experiences anxiety. You know, you could be driving along the road, someone cuts you off, you'll be a little bit anxious, but it returns back to normal, right? Whereas someone who's anxious wakes up anxious, their baseline is just elevated. They start kind of at an anxious state. So any additional anxiety will get them to have those symptoms or panic attacks. So the key to managing anxiety is to bring that baseline down to neutral, right? And that's how we have it managed. Because it's not like we don't experience anxiety. It's just one of the many emotions we can experience. The key is to really figure out why your baseline is so high all the time and bring that down. Um, It's a a nerdy way of describing it. But (laughs) uh, basically, people people who have symptoms already have anxiety throughout the day most of the time, whereas people who don't have symptoms will experience that emotion occasionally. Mm, mm-hmm. I understand. So you also help people initiate difficult conversations at work. Let's talk about that a little bit, Ramses. I know for me, I work uh, in the legal profession. That's my nine to five. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with approaching my superiors about, uh, let's say, my workload. I want to talk to them about decreasing my workload or either or either increasing my my pocketbook, right? So yeah. how? Yeah. <laughs> help me, Ramses. I need a little help. <laughs> so I, I have very uh, strong opinions about this because I worked for people for so long. Um, me working so, solely for myself is a relatively new thing, and so. A lot of people wanted to know how I went in just a few years. And this is where this came from. In just a few years, I was an entry-level position at a publishing house, and I became their VP. And so I just, they're like, what are you doing? I was like, listen, I stopped thinking of myself as an employee. That's the first thing I would say. Mm. I say everyone and anyone should think of themselves as mentally as an LLC. Put your name and then LLC afterwards. Because that helps you take a step back from the working environment you're in, and you start to realize they're hiring you, the company, for value you're bringing to them. Right. That also helps you have this, like, energy of, like, let me step back, because guess what? If you don't like the value I bring, there's always Joe Schmo who can. (laughs) If you start thinking of yourself as a business, you you start to... start to think of everything you bring to that company as value. Mm. And why does that distance help? Because now when you're saying, hey, you know, are you, my yearly review came, here's the value I brought. Right. Right. And I'd like to talk about ways of adjusting my compensation for the value I'm bringing to the company. 
right? Mm-hmm. Now there's less, it, fe- it might feel a little less dramatic because you've done the work to kind of itemize what that value is. But sometimes you just have conflicts in- at work as well. And um, I, this will be no shocker. I'm just a direct person when it comes to conflict. I always say, hey, we should have a time to talk about um, this thing that just happened. When's a good time? When we get there, I'm pretty direct. I'm like, hey, you mentioned this thing. This is how I perceived it. This is how I felt. I think we should do something to get on the same page with this so that this doesn't happen again. Yeah. Um, so believe it or not, being direct doesn't mean you have to be a jerk or, you know, <laughs> it does. Most times people appreciate you being direct and frank with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never really good at the corporate talk thing. Like, mm-hmm. I, like, you know, when someone sends you a passive aggressive email, like, um, as per my last email, I'm like, I don't know. What do you mean? Could we just yeah. talk like human? <laughs> Since I was always very honest and genuine, everyone knew how to position themselves around me. There was mm-hmm. never like, I wasn't faking it. I was just, you know, talking to people like humans, like, oh my God, I struggled with this too. Let me, let me know if it can help. Cause I have some pointers. You know, it, it's it's mm-hmm. it's normal talk. And because of that, people can see, one, they could come to me when there was an issue and they would be safe. Two, if there was an issue, they knew I wasn't going to try to drag them. <laughs> and then three, it allowed my superiors to realize he can manage. And so you grow pretty quickly just because in most cases, they don't want to be dealing with personnel. So <laughs> um, you position yourself mm-hmm. by just talking frankly. And I don't think there's a secret to what I do in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it takes a lot of strength to do that because not every person has the unique ability to be direct. And I struggle with being direct in a lot right. of ways. So, and I think too, Ramses, for you, there's a level of respect that comes to someone who stands in their truth and you're being direct and you're saying, Hey, let's cut all the mumbo jumbo. Talk to Mm -hmm. me like a person. Let's make the human connection and let's get this resolved. So there's a level of respect that goes along with that. I like that. Yeah. I I, I think in theme with your, your podcast, like love, like if you really are trying to love on humans, like trying to navigate, navigate this world. That's so complex. Right. I have been in situations where I didn't know what to say. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think being more direct is certainly a skill I've developed, but at first it would sound more like, listen, I don't even know how to say the next word. So I'm going to say words, but know that I'm coming from a genuine place and I might yeah. say it super wrong, but I think I could offend you, but I don't want to, mm-hmm. but here's what it is. And if you start with something so rambly like that, I know it sounds crazy, but people will get that you're struggling to communicate and they're going to know how to listen to that a little bit better. Um, And I've tried that and that has helped. Um, I've done it to the CEO. I was like, Angela, like I listen, I have a lot of thoughts and I don't know exactly how to make this ask, but here's the thing. I've been doing a lot of this stuff. I'm thinking of a new role. How can we find a win-win here? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And that's the way I started off these conversations. Um, but because I was always communicating with her, I was always on her radar. And I always started to think this what value do I bring to the company? If that is the thing I'm talking about all the time, 
there's no way that they're not going to see how to promote me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was every person I talked to, I thought of the value, I, excuse me, I brought to them or to the company. That was mm-hmm. my small talk, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? So it, it really matters on, you know, how, you know, there is a way to position yourself to grow quickly, but it may, you may, there's like a give and take. It's like, do I want to have small talk about family or do I want to have small talk about my company and the value I bring? Because right. then now I could just position myself to grow. And it, it just depends on, in my opinion, where, how, how you want that to develop for you. But it's mm-hmm. a, it, it is part, mostly strategy. So, Ramses, right now, do you ever feel anxiety or a little bit of um, panicking when something's going on? And if you do, how do you how do you smooth it away? Yeah, I I do. Anxiety is an emotion that anyone could experience. I don't I don't think I experience it in places most folks do because of um there's this thing I, I teach is called the act now process. Um, you first acknowledge that you're having anxiety and then you validate, compassionately validate. That's the C. So you acknowledge, compassionately validate why it's coming up. And then you take some kind of action. And the mm-hmm. action I like to take is to soothe my nervous system. And I've done this enough times where like whenever I experience anxiety, I start to realize, oh, of course it makes sense you're anxious. You're about to get on stage. <laughs> like, yeah. of course. Mm-hmm. So don't be a jerk to yourself, Ramses, you know? Um, and when you're a little more compassionate, your body feels, your mind feels, your spirit feels like it heard you or that you mm-hmm. hear it. And it feels seen and it feels appreciated. And the anxiety starts to like dissipate a little. And then you could actually do something like, say a breathing technique or a quick meditation or a mantra, if you have one, that's going to give you some relief. Um, it, it won't work if we approach anxiety like, darn it, Ramses, here you go again. Here you go again. And you start being mean to yourself mentally. The anxiety kind of amplifies. <laughs> so that's one of the ways. Um also, um, knowing what my triggers are, like there's certain places I'm more susceptible to anxiety than others because I am a sensitive individual. I know certain places would affect me, the number of people, the kind of people. Um, I could still get more nervous, uh, anxious in a room full of CEOs than a room with my friends. Mm-hmm. Right? Because once again, my mind is traveling all over the place. Um, so I can get more anxious around law enforcement because of my experience with it than with, you know, my coworkers. Sure. I can get more anxious in a, but it, it's the same process. I would have to say like, oh, here's experiences you had. It makes sense that you're anxious. So here's what we're going to do. And then of course I can proceed. Mm-hmm. But it's mostly about training your brain that anxiety is just giving you information about something that is out of alignment with you that's happening in the moment. Of course. 
Well, Ramses, we're going to move the interview forward and we're going to talk about these amazing books that you have written. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to share my screen if possible. And we're going to go and talk about your amazing books that you've written here on. I'm going to go to your Amazon page. One second. <laughs> I do, okay. do that. I, Why do the same present? Okay. I Share do that. Screen. I still, you know, pinch myself about the fact that they're on Amazon. It's wild. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Chrome tab. Okay. Here we go. I think we're ready. Okay. Let's take a look <laughs> and see here. Okay. So, Ramses, let's talk about this. You have the end of writer's block, and then your other book is called Stop Pressing Your Own Panic Button. I think that's the first one you've written, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, talk to us about this one. Stop Pressing Your Own Panic Button. What does that mean? Well, Stop Pressing Your Own Panic Button gives the person who's having panic attacks a little more power to have steps to start getting out of panics. Um, what what I remember when I was having panic attacks was I didn't know when the anxiety was going to kick into high gear and I didn't know how to get out of it. And I remember my poor father, he was just like on the phone with me trying to get me out of it. He's like pulled over the side of the road, walking me through it. But I didn't have a process to identify when I was going to have panic attacks, how to get out of them and how to prevent them in the future. Mm. And that book ends up being that all the tools, the entire system I worked with people for, I guess, over four years now um, with um, it's the book that for the most part becomes the more polished version called the anxiety freedom process. I didn't call it that in that book mm -hmm. um but it's now the process i train people in um to be coaches or how to get more more better results for their anxious clients that's the sneak peek third book mm -hmm. that i'm writing right now <laughs> mm -hmm. for your audience you're getting a sneak peek i'm writing a third book which is this plus the second book with additional tools um the second book really is one tool that's developed at the time, I didn't call it the thought loop, but it becomes a way of managing our, our mind when it starts to go wild and catastrophizing. This is the book for that. I wrote it mostly for people with performance anxiety as in writing. Mm. Um, but the combination of both the first and second book is what I call the anxiety freedom process. And after using it for so long, um, people were asking me, well, could I learn some of this to work with my clients? Because I think sometimes I have clients who have outbursts or anxiety or panic attacks. Um, I want to be able to not have that happen. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, that's both of those. Um, the first one is strictly for panics. The second one um, is really great for catastrophizing thoughts. And then, of course, you know, I'm writing a third. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I would like to encourage the audience to please go to Amazon.com and 
purchase these wonderful books. Let's support him. The first one is Stop Pressing Your Own Panic Button. I need to read that one. And then the second one is The End of Writer's Block. And also when you go into Amazon, you can click the yellow button here to follow Ramses here on his Amazon account. Uh, Ramses, is there a... Do you have a page that you would like to share with our audience where you can be reached, like your personal account? Yeah. So um, it, you guys should certainly buy it on Amazon, but I like to give my book away for free. If you go to panicfreedombook.com, panicfreedombook.com, and that's going to, um, you just put your name and email address in there, and I will send you the book for free, the first one. And then um, I'll be in conversation with you at that point. Uh, panicfreedombook.com. Yup, it's on the screen. Okay. And I'll take care of the rest. Um, you'll be in my inner circle. Um, you'll hear more about um, my newest book. And um, certainly you could ask me questions as well because you'll, you'll have my email at that point too. Wow, thank you. Panicfreedom.com panicfreedombook.com panicfreedombook.com and he has generously offered to give copies of his amazing book away for free i really appreciate that thank you (laughs) now now i'm looking behind you i love the display behind you are those your books behind you there um two two of them are um the two of the ones on the wall, let me see if I can point them out. This one, oh, is, that one is the one you just saw. And this one, the ones behind me, I like I said, I worked with authors, hundreds of them over the years, helping them with performance anxiety. Um, and a lot of those books are previous authors' books I've worked with when I was in the mm-hmm. publishing arm. And they would sign them for me and leave and give me their copies. Um, you know, here's one the fibromyalgia coach take back your life she graciously signed it Aww, isn't so that I amazing? collect my author's books of course that is so sacred I know <laughs> it's so fun um, and then some of them are resources I use while I coach people um, that I you know I like to have really quickly um, right by me but I also like books so I like to decorate with them Yes, me too. Oh my goodness. So you have created this beautiful life for yourself. I look at you and I'm just filled with joy. You, There's a sacred presence about you and I can feel your aura. Oh, what do you love most about what you do, Ramses? What, what, what drives you in what you do? Well, you know, when someone feels trapped with anxiety in their mental health, um, it, and I remember this. I, I I could hear people saying it could get better, and that I just couldn't see a way out. Mm. And it was very unsettling for me. And when I work with someone and we're working through these tools and these processes to help them get their anxiety managed, there's a moment when they're like, oh, I see it, or I get it, or I could understand why I was in this pattern of anxiousness or I could see how this helps you could see it in their eyes you could see that they finally could see a way of having a different life or breaking free from that trap because your brain feels like a trap at some point you know you're having physical symptoms you can't go out it's affecting your relationships you might feel irate you might argue and 
how do you snap out of it, so to speak? And I couldn't see it. Um, the one thing I was good at was research. Um, and so I used that, those skills from being a scientist to just look up anything and everything that I could get my hands on that had to do with anxiety. And I started to try all the things and I excluded everything that was for other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I only started trying things that people said I specifically had benefits with my anxiety with this. And together it became this whole entire system. But the reason I do it now is for that moment when it clicks for a client. I, I mean, I can never get enough of that look. Wow. It's like that's an beautiful. energy change. It's like they're like, oh crap, like I can do this. Like it's just there's a moment where I could look into their eyes and they're like, Oh, 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 I get it. Oh, I see. My, it's like their brain unlocks for them. And that is, I, I give it to me all day, every day, that look. <laughs> That's why. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, my own mental That's health you- caught me like in a really dark spot before. Um, when I was in college, um, I was I was going to, to, I developed an eating disorder even in tandem with it, right? Uh, with my anxiety, uh, depression. And I remember they were weighing me once a week. And they were also go- having me go to therapy once a week. And I think they had me on suicide watch. Like, it was just this whole thing. Um, yeah. So when I say that that anxiety could get people in a dark hole, it can. Um, it really, really can. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of like the catalyst. Because the moment depression gets added on, now you have to address the depression. The more the moment you have all these other comorbidities, other things you experience, you have to address those. So mm-hmm. I always say, hey, let's address the source before it becomes depression or it makes your other comorbidities much more difficult. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for opening up and sharing that with us. I know since losing my dad, I have become a strong advocate for suicide prevention and awareness. And, you know, that's the purpose of this podcast is to just put a little more love in the world. Yeah. And Ramses, I want to ask you, if someone is watching right now and they're in a dark place and they they don't want to be here anymore, life is not worth living at the moment. What advice would you give them to hold on just a little bit longer? Mm-hmm. My, my advice is a little counterintuitive. What I would say to them, and I'm saying to you, is I see you. Like, it is, this is a tough, tough life. It's confusing as shit. And what I want them to know is that I don't want to take that moment away from them. I don't, I want you to know that, hey, this is difficult, and instead of saying, come towards me into the light, into something positive, I'm willing to stand with you in a little discomfort while you experience that. Mm-hmm. And then we can have a conversation about what you want to do to move forward. But I think they want to be seen. That's what I wanted desperately. Mm-hmm. At that moment, telling me, it was almost, a, it was painful to hear when people would say something like, I just want you know, people love you, hold on tight. And while that was true, and I think mentally I knew that, like I could cognitively understand what they were saying, it made it so difficult to hear because I was far from that emotion of love. So I would say to them, hey, if you're feeling hopeless right now, what emotion feels a little bit better that's not love? Maybe it's anger. 
I'd rather you be in a little bit of anger. Maybe it's resentment, right? Mm, and I then inch that. upwards a little bit. And then I, as the person who's around someone who's having that, the best thing I could do is hold space for them as they go up that ladder and not expect them to be at love or appreciation too soon, too early. Right. Um, because that actually pushes people back in the hole because it's just so unrelatable to them. Mm -hmm. um, and it was to me. So if someone's listening, I would say, hold on, but don't hold on for something that's going to feel positive immediately. What's the next best emotion you could feel? Just mm -hmm. strive for that. Wow. Um, and just climb it inch-wise. And people who want you to be in a different spot, just allow yourself to do it slowly and slowly. Because this is more of a, a marathon, not a sprint. Yes. Wow, yeah. that's beautifully powerful. Thank, Thank you. you for saying that. Yeah. yeah. And that's important too. We have to be present with our emotions. We can't just push yeah, them away yeah. and expect them to go away right away. That's not even yeah. realistic. So right, thank you right. for that. Yeah. You know, I look at you, Ramses, and I see a man who has achieved greatness in his life. And I don't even think you're 30 years old yet, are you? Well, I'm 34. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I'm 34. You have achieved greatness and you're at your date with success. And I just need to know who inspired you to be the man that you are today? Are there any people in your life, past or present, who inspired you to step out and be this wonderful individual who sits before me right now? I would have to undoubtedly say it's my father. He was, he is, he's still, he's still with me. Um, he lives in Puerto Rico now, but he was in the military. He served in the Persian Gulf Desert Storm. He helped take down the Berlin Wall. Um, he is this guy who's traveled. He got into the government work and he's an IT master. I mean, he's just incredibly talented. People who love him, respect him, and they say the kindest things about him. And there was a flip side to it where there were people who just didn't like him because of that. And I saw uh, him handle discrimination against him in the most graceful way ever. Um, I saw what he did to provide for the family. And he is just, he's so full of life and intelligent. And at, every time he would say to me, you know, like I'm doing my homework, he'd come over and pat me on the back when I was a kid. Um, and we're very close. And the way he navigates this world, even though I've seen it be hard for him, he is, he is that, you know, he, 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 nothing gets to him. He just gets it done. He perseveres. He, he to me is what the power of being a human can be. Oh, that's it's, beautiful. Yeah, he's incredible. He's, wow. he's amazing. Yeah. Wow. And you know, the blessing in all of this is that you can say this about him and to him when he's here to hear it. Yeah. Yes. I, and because, you know, I don't have the best relationship with my mother. And so uh, just being a little vulnerable here, but um, I know the importance of telling him every day what he means to me. Um, oh. because I can't do that with um, other people in my life. So sure. um, it's such a an amazing thing. And he, he helped me through a lot of my anxiety because he didn't know what to do when I called him while in the middle of a panic attack. 
and he just did the best he could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tell people. I'm like, listen, I know you guys want the exact words to say to snap someone out of their anxiety or whatever they're going through. But mm-hmm. sometimes just being there is the thing. Your presence. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there are no special words. Just the human connection is what matters. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. <laughs> so, Ramses, as you know, this podcast was created in honor of my dad. My father was a wonderful person. He was a radio TV broadcast engineer for many years. He worked here locally at WXYZ Channel 7 for about uh, 30 years of his career. And he loved radio TV broadcasting. He loved, he used to have a radio show many years ago. And his radio show was called Speaking of Sports. So when he passed away, I wanted to do something to honor him on a platform that I knew he would he would love. And so I created this platform here. It's not speaking of sports, but it's speaking of love because I really don't know much about sports. <laughs> but I know all about love. And so the million dollar question that I ask all of my guests who sit before me, Ramses, how do you define love? I knew you were going to ask me this. My <laughs> <laughs> favorite question. Yeah, I know. Um, so the way I define love um, is it's really, how do I say this? I think there's this this, this, um, this space we get into. There's this, like when you love an individual, there's you, there's that individual, and then there's like that relationship. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of a person or maybe a pet, or whatever, that becomes a part of you. I think that union, that part where you overlap, is where love is experienced. Um, When someone becomes so important, or something becomes so important, that you have their best interests at heart, no matter what that is. And I say this because sometimes, you know, like I've suffered a breakup. And I felt like I experienced love with that partner by explaining to them that my what I consider to have um, the way I consider to have your best interest at heart is by letting you know, hey, it might be time to move on. Um, so you could still love a person despite what's going on because you do have them as a part of you and you do have their best interests at heart. Um, so I, I experience love that way. And it allows me to just honestly not be afraid of where we overlap and where we unite. Because um, that could be scary. But I think if we allow it, we'll see that we have a lot more in common with more people than we think. Mm-hmm. We're all brothers and sisters on the tree branches of humanity. Definitely. Ooh, yes. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. it. Yes, it has been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you for being a guest on my podcast. Speaking of love, uh, this is my 114th episode and every person has had a different definition of love and I love reading. I love hearing about it. And I am just so thankful that you were here today to bless my platform with your presence. Um, I do have one last question for you. It's another one of my favorite questions. Uh, When you're when the pages of your life are reviewed 
and your mission here on the planet Earth is complete, what do you most want to be remembered for? Oh, he was that anxiety guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's the guy that helped with anxiety, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, that simple. <laughs> That's simple. Yep. simple but beautiful. Simple but beautiful. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience before we conclude our interview? Um, no, but I want to say congratulations for your 114th episode. <laughs> and I'm you. honored to be that person. <laughs> yes. Um, thank you so much for having me on here. Thank you so much. And thank you for being here. And if anyone has missed any portion of this recording, you can always catch it. We will live forever on YouTube. You can catch the episode on Facebook or anywhere you choose to listen to your podcast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. We're everywhere. I'm even on Pocket Cast and iHeartRadio. Speaking oh, of goodness. love, just type it in the uh, search bar and you will see all of my episodes there. Ramses Rodriguez, I bow to your excellence, oh, my brother. My. <laughs> I bow you. to you. You are amazing. Keep doing oh. what you're doing. You know, I truly admire and respect people like you who dedicate their lives to enhancing the lives of other people. That's amazing. So thank you for what you do. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. And I will be back here next week with another episode of Speaking of Love. And remember, love is the thing that makes all things beautiful. Go forward, my people, and have a great week.